Hello, and welcome to the Old Man Orange Podcast. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. And, you know, this is a little bit coming late, but we did go out and see Clerks 3, and let, we let it simmer and sink in, because it's kind of a magical moment. You know, Clerks is that movie for, I think, for generally anybody who got into filmmaking in the 90s and 2000s. That's kind of that movie that, maybe even if you didn't like it, you could still kind of go, like, shit, I could do something like that. It has that total feeling that, like, you know, it's not like you're watching, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark and going, well, let's be honest. I mean, you know somebody went out and tried to do that, so anything's possible. But for the most part, you watch those kind of movies or Star Wars, something like that, you're like, mm, you're going to need a budget, you're going to need a lot of friends, going to need, you know, all this kind of stuff. But Clerks is that one where you're like, hmm. Get a handful of people together. We can make something like this. You know, everybody's got something, whether it be a restaurant, convenience store, you know, even just a backyard or anything just to kind of hang out with. You feel like that's all I need. I just need one location generally, and we can make stuff around it. And that's the thing, I guess, with this movie, because it was like something he was talking about for, I feel like, almost almost 10 years he was, he's been talking about, like, Clerks 3. Maybe it has been 10 years by now. And for a second, I'm like, I guess he's not making it. And then one day here oh, he's going to start shooting in two weeks. Like, oh, shit. And I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't really listened to Kevin Smith as much as I used to, mm-hmm. just because my favorite show of his was um, Smodcast. And he does that very sparingly, and Scott Mosher's hardly ever on anymore. Well, it's like the same thing. It's like my favorite shows was Education, then yeah. that show completely changed. And same with Fat Man on Batman. It's not really in the same thing, where it's just like... So it's just kind of like, he changes it up to like, I mean, they're probably easier and maybe more fun for him. Yeah. I think that's sort of what kind of happens. But like, I felt like the core, like what made him really great, it's like, God, it kind of sucks to not have the... Yeah, and it's not like I don't ever listen to Kevin Smith anymore. I'll kind of pull up like his different podcasts and flip through and see what they're talking about. And every so often I'll listen to like Fat Man Beyond, but Batman, but Fat Man on Batman, where he was bringing on creators... And I guess once in a while they'll get a creator to come in and talk about something for a minute, but that, that, that doesn't happen too often. It's more of just pop culture, genre news. And after a while, yeah, because those are my three shows, same as you. Smodcast, Edumacation, and Fat Man on Batman. And those are the three he changed the most or doesn't do that often anymore. Mm-hmm. So it it's not that like Kevin Smith is like, he's dying to me, not by any means. I just haven't kept up <clears throat> with him as much as I used to. So in this movie, um, I'm going to... Because we're both going to talk about it, and I think we have similar opinions, but to varying degrees. Um, I can just say, I just thought the movie was kind of mostly okay. There, there were moments that I really liked, and there were some things about it that I really liked. But I just thought it was okay. And don't take this as me trying to be like, Kevin Smith, impress me. Because I remember closing a restaurant by myself till 2 o'clock in the morning, and Kevin Smith's podcast getting me, getting me through it. And listening to, like, the announcement of Clerks 3 one time when closing, and just being, oh, fucking awesome. And just, you know, like, Kevin Smith was just basically, um, he, his podcast kind of, you know, and he was always optimistic, go create stuff. So, I'm, I am still a big Kevin Smith fan, but this movie, I guess, yeah, it just didn't hit me the way um, other movies did. And, you know, but I, I didn't hate the movie, though, you know? Yeah, well, it's like, well, it's like I feel the overall kind of, like, once it was all said and done kind of experience... I still like the movie quite a bit. I think it's like the, that kind of part was. I mean, there is a little bit of like trips on the rug throughout it that are kind of like weird and kind of goofy. But I also think, too, it was maybe just because like the like it was like the last one, the Jan Silent Bob reboot, which it, when I went to go see that, like I, that in my mind was going to be like, it's going to be so good. Jan Silent Bob back. It's going to be just as fun as like, you know, Jan Silent Bob Strike Back or something like that. And then it just... I, that, that was like one of those movies I've only watched it once but I just remember sitting there and I almost felt like I only laughed like five times it was just like boy this 
that was not what I was expecting at all. And, like, you almost kind of walked out just, like, feeling, like, very empty and so on. And, you know, even, like, yoga hosts, even though I still probably like that more than the average person, because I feel like I just kind of could just sort of see what's going on with it. But it is like kind of those ones I feel like Kevin Smith kind of got to that point where some of his movies, like, they just kind of getting just, like, they're just falling on, a little bit off the rails of being kind of, like, that real dialed-in thing. And I don't know. But I really think sometimes what it is is I remember Andy McElfresh even like spells it out in one of those older education episodes. I think it's almost like the marijuana use because it's like Andy said that like literally he's like Nancy Reagan here. Yeah, but like <laughs> no, I can't but let's be honest, I've, yeah. I've seen a lot of people where it just it kind of peters them out in a sense. But literally, what happens is like he's like, here's the thing: you'll have about six years where the creativity will have be boosted, and then it will sort of drop off. You know, and he said it in there, and I feel like that kind of like what sort of happens, like, you know, Red State, really good. You know, um, Tusk, really good. And then it starts to sort of kind of fade out there, and I think that's kind of what sort of happened there. And I don't know if he's still, like, smoking it like he's going out of style, you know. The, the last movie he made that I really liked was Tusk, and uh, Red State, I think it was even a better directed movie before that. There, there's something that happened. And I'm not, don't, don't take this as me as like Kevin Smith, you're fucking up, get back on track. Because I am re- a big fan of his and I really like his work. But they're just things you kind of notice. And it feels like maybe it's part, of, it's, it's definitely part budget, but there's something about his movies went from looking like, you know, a theatrically released movie to looking kind of like to some extent like a, a Disney Channel show. You know, yeah, like Yoga Hosers has that vibe. And even Tusk, even though I really like that movie. There are scenes that feel kind of like that, just kind of like the lack of, the, the just kind of like how, when when they get into like you know the the walrus and all that kind of shit, yeah, things get weird and there's some thought put into design and the set, but then other things throughout that movie are just very bare bones and basic though. Even though I still really like that movie, yeah, and, and Tusk, I feel like that movie's designed to be like it's fine if it's kind of bare bones and basic because it's in this weird horror movie kind of style, mm-hmm. you know, but. When the Jay and Silent Bob one, because let's be honest, you're, you're really, what are you comparing it to? You're comparing it to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is a huge, you know, big production movie. It's got all sorts of actors and so on, and not saying the other one doesn't have that too, but like it just has this grand spectacle feel, their cross-country trip, you know, larger-than-life kind of feel. And I know that at that time period, that's when that style of movie was really hot. Like, the, the, in a sense, that kind of like, I guess you would say, teenage, college Rated R movie, coming from American Pie, National Lampoon's Van Wilder, like, those kind of movies, it, it sort of fit into that, even though it's kind of different, but those movies were easy to sell. Harold and Kumar, you know what I mean? There's so much to Road that. Trip. Yeah, Road Trip, and even though this one's PG-13, it really still kind of feels like it's R, like, when I think about it. Um, the Dude, Where's My Car? Yeah, Dude, Where's My Car? Because that's one of those movies, that one of those movies, like, that just skates the PG-13, like, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm really surprised that even gets away from some of those little, like, lines. I want to go on that ride, Daddy! Me, Me too, too, son! Me, Me too! too. <laughs> but, um, so it's like, I feel that's probably why Jay and Silent Bob kind of can have the budget it sort of has, where nowadays, like, nobody's made those type of movies, like, if they come out, they're definitely straight to video. It's like those, the American Pie, like, the ninth version that has, you know, um, um, whatever, um. Naked Mile or whatever. Well, this, those, that actually was a pretty good one, ironic. That, that one's actually We're, we're, we're focusing on Stifler's, like, second cousin. But that's what it is, yeah. you know, and, um, uh, what's his name? Levy, um... Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy, he's, like, the only thing holding them together, which, don't be wrong, that's the best character, so, I mean, you know, Eugene Levy and Stifler, you combine those two together, there's a movie, but... Yeah, I, I think there is something about that where, um... That's, this picture, like, a Eugene Levy and Stifler have to drive across country to go 
whatever pick up like Jason Biggs for something or another, and it's the it's the road trip in between of those two guys being together in the same car. There's something weird when you can't get that much cast back. Like you know what, Sean William Scott agreed to come back, and Eugene Levy is kind of riding high after Shit's Creek. So let's just <laughs> let's combine them together. It's going to be the two people you don't expect that have to go on a road trip, and this is like it's kind of like. Dude, this is the one that brought it back. Like, this is the Fast and Furious Four. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, this many years we got, we, we've kind of reinvented the, the 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 formula, and people really want to see these movies again. So I don't know, mm-hmm. something weird like that could happen. I doubt that's going to happen. But no, I do too. But just, I don't know. When I just mentioned like that, actually sounds kind of fun, you know. But um, but yeah, it's like you know nowadays it's like that that type of movie. Like, God, because the thing about when was the last time one of those movies that came out in cinemas. I'm not saying they don't yeah. come out. Like, you know, if you look hard enough, they're, they're popping up on streaming and so on, but... I could think of, like, 2013, 2014, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like, they, they, they weren't well yeah, received. Yeah, like, like, well, that's kind of like the end. I mean, this is even earlier, but it's kind of like when you had things like Superbad and so on. Like, that's kind of like... That's almost like the starting to fade out kind of moment of those type of movies. I mean, which goes to show they had a good, you know, 10 plus years. And but. it went from the... It kind of went from the... Uh, I know, we'll, we'll go back to Kevin Smith in a second, but it went from kind of like the teenagers slash college students to guys in their, like, late 30s to mid 40s, like Hangover. There's a couple of those that kind of came out right around then, and then even Hangover eventually kind of crashed that into the ground, so. Yeah, Hangover almost, even though that that feels like that's, like, Similar, but... Similar, it's sort of, like, aging the characters up. It's almost like for the people that grew up that kind of goes in there, but that's kind of almost, like, the total end of it. So now it's, like, I feel like, you know, you get the James Silent Pop reboot, and it's coming out at a time period where... No one's probably willing to really back it for any, like, real theatrical kind of release, you know, and so on. So it made that movie feel kind of small. Where I will say Clerks 3, Clerks 3 can work on a smaller level, because all you need is the video store and the convenience store, and that's it. You know, everything else, it literally could take place all there. You don't even have to leave that area if you don't want to. Yeah, and and don't take it as me being like, this movie's just... I'm being dismissive because I went I went into this movie really wanting to love it, and I did not have my expectations through the roof. I went in fairly neutral, just hoping I'd love it. And I love moments, I love parts, I love jokes. And like the first like part of the movie, I was like, you know, um, because when they when it opens up and they're in spoilers ahead for the movie, um, when the movie opens up. And they're playing like the Black Parade, and play, I think they almost play the entire song. I think they the really do. Yeah, and <clears throat> you see the the store, and you know they have the like da the, the big drum up part is the lights in the in the store kind of going on. There is this wave of nostalgia that just kind of hits you, kind of like it's still here. Mm-hmm. This is taking you back, kind of, and he just kind of like like takes the gum off with his key. Like why did why didn't I try this before? You know, yeah. like small things like that. And then, um, but then as the movie goes on, I think a, a problem with it is, um, I'm not sure if he, they weren't given enough to do, but it's just kind of like, someone says something wacky or weird, and for the longest time, they're not really challenged on it, and then you have one or two people, like, rolling their eyes hev- heavily, or just kind of, like, looking at someone else and shaking their head as someone else is saying some stupid shit, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, I will say, there's some of those kind of conversation things that are in there that, they're maybe not bad lines, but it feels like, feels like they would have brought this up, you know, 20 years ago, like, sort of kind of thing, like, but I think it's because we've only seen three movies sort of work these characters, you know, in a you know, comic book and uh, animated series, it's like, I guess that's kind of all it is, so it's like you're kind of adding these things in there for them to kind of have, you know, so one which also makes me feel like they're talking about this, like, every other day, almost. Well, it's also something to the degree of, like, because, yeah, because I, I really like the short-lived, um, like, Clerks Anthology comic. That one was really funny. Yeah, that's and- a really good one. 
and it's just kind of like these little side stories that happen. It kind of adds a lot more life and a lot more things to that world and brings up some other questions too of like, you know, what they do on, you know, on certain days off or whatever. And like the, the underground, like what, right when the Star Wars re-releases happened, the underground um, action, figure. action figure, like selling rink and all that. And like, you're going to suck his dick for the, you're going <laughs> to suck his dick for this Chewbacca, you know, <laughs> or something like that, you know? So it's like, there was like over the top shit that happened and it was funny and it was pretty good. And, you know, they even go into the funeral aspect before they made the clerk's uh, animated short for the funeral. Um, it's just, I, I feel like the acting and like the direction just kind of went down a little bit in this. So there are moments where it's really good, but then there are moments where, like I said, it feels like you're kind of watching like a Disney channel movie that just happens to swear a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely has the lower feel there. And weirdly, I can kind of accept that part because once again, it's a Clerks one. It's like that's like one of those few times it doesn't have to be much. I mean, it's kind of weird because you know Clerks two still feels like a little bit because that's still in that two thousand six era where you can kind of still make those movies with a big you know Miramax budget and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, but yeah, it's more just kind of like there there is some kind of I will say because like you know Elias is in there like from Clerks two, but he's definitely in there a lot probably more than he needs to be. Not saying that he's a bad character, but he's like. He has a, like he's almost in there like a third wheel literally the whole time. He's in there because that's another thing. Because you know, yes, you can see the, the the acting is a little stiff in Clerks One in some parts, but it feels so raw and feels so indie. That you kind of go with it, and I guess by this point, if because it doesn't look as raw, it doesn't look as indie. You know, it is, but it just doesn't have like that kind of gritty feel. It looks like it's expensive enough, but not like. Super, I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Like it looks, it looks professional. So why doesn't like the vibe of the actors or the writing kind of match that? And part of the is the Elias stuff, and it's nothing on that actor specifically. But I think there are scenes where they give him because he does say some funny things, and there yeah. are there are interesting like things they have him do. But they almost kind of like rely on him too much for that, and they kind of give him his own Silent Bob who's just kind of, I don't know, they're, they're just weird things where I feel like he was kind of looking up what is current and all this crypto stuff, and I don't think he really knew a lot about crypto stuff, which, to be fair, I don't, but I think I've heard enough about a lot of the scams to where I'm like, I think crypto stuff's more complicated than when you're making it in this movie, but it's not the big part of it, you know? No, I mean, it's just sort of there, but, like, yeah, it does have that feeling, like, you read the top paragraph and go, okay, I think i got an idea how this is. Yeah. And, and NFTs and so on, when there's definitely a lot more to it than that, but... Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. I guess they're trying to get across that, you know, that's what that character, I guess, would be into. I don't know. It's weird. There's a weird combo when they're doing it. It's like, I, I really don't picture anybody who's in a church, like, going out and buying NFTs. Being you, super Christian, being all about crypto. Yeah, that seems like the most anti-Christian thing you could be doing. Since, like, 90% of, like, crypto, like, cryptocurrencies, I mean, I know there's the ones that are getting by, but 90% of them are always scams or something being pushed by, like, a fucking, like, influencer or whatever. Well, because it sounds weird, like, it almost seems like something weird that Randall would be the guy who would be buying the crypto stuff. And then, yeah. like, Elias would be like, Randall, Randall, that's not safe at all, you know what I mean? It's on track, the government's there. And then even Dante would be like, well, Randall, what are you doing? Like, can you trust us? Do you know anything about it? I don't know. Like, that feels more to be that way. When it's Elias kind of going into it, it seemed like, what, this, this kid's the guy into... 
and I, I guess something about when because when Clerks came out, because I guess he was meant to be around our age. He li- he literally supposed to be like our like relate relatable character, I guess, for like almost you would say the second generation of Clerks fans, almost. Because in Clerks too, you know, he's meant to be. I don't. He doesn't look like he's eighteen or nineteen, but he's meant to look. But he's meant to be eighteen or nineteen in Clerks one or Clerks two, mm-hmm. and then you know, and even though he's a little like sheltered Christian kid, and in this. He's like 36 or 35, mm-hmm. and it's something to the effect of like, he. I'm not believing, first off, that it's just a lot harder to watch someone in like 36 play like a really sheltered Christian kid. I know it's a little bit more fucked up that he's 36 and he's still getting ride, <laughs> rides to, to work. work. That, that in itself is funny, <laughs> but it's a little harder to watch a guy play like, like, Mr. Dante! Like, you know, that, even Dante's like, you're 36 now. You don't need to call me Mr. Dante. Yeah. Dante's fine, you know? So. Well, it's like one of those ones, too. So that's like, 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 they've, they've been having this conversation for, like, the last 20 years because they've been all working together the whole time. Yeah. Because some of that stuff almost, it sounds kind of weird, but it almost feels like the Clerks 3 sort of, like, if it would have started right after Clerks 2, it kind of makes more sense. Like, hey, this is, like, three months later. Mm-hmm. You know, it almost has that kind of feel. Mm-hmm. But since it also has, like, literally, like, 15 years from it, which is kind of weird to think about, but, like... It has this like this like almost like shortened gap almost. Like one of the like there's even like there's there's um it leads to like a funny joke and all that, but there's a part where um some of the clunky stuff, like for instance what I'm talking about, is when Don when Randall, like if you've seen the trailer and, and if you listen to Kevin Smith's podcast, you know he's I haven't listened to his podcast in a while, but I imagine he's talking so much about Clerks Three right now. Mm-hmm. Um when Randall has his heart attack and he's all saying, like, Dante, I need you to cover your ears for a second and hum something. What? Just just, just do it. Just do it. Like, fine. And as he's saying, like, look, I got a small dick. And he doesn't know that. He thinks I have a massive cock because I've been talking about it for years. Like, that's kind of funny. But then they have, like, they cut away to Dante and Brian O'Halloran in a very cartoonish manner. He's, like, nodding his head. Singing, like, looking up. Humming or whatever. Yeah, and, like, nobody does that. So that's kind of, like, it's some small I feel things. like that's another one of those ones that would probably work for Elias. But not Dante's. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and the, yeah. So sometimes I think there's a, those kind of things there. I mean, I know that this is getting kind of nitpicky, but well, I feel like those are the things. That, that's the thing. Those are the things that stand out. And I, I don't want to just say it just seemed kind of clunky and not give any example. But I know what you mean, though. It does sound nitpicky. But I feel like I need. <laughs> I mean, what I, what I they think build up. Is, they build up. Is I think when you've kind of like watched Clerks like religiously. Yeah. It, you know, you're going to kind of notice those things. Well, it's the other thing too I think about too is because you know. Because he even shows snippets of, like, you know, Clerks 1 in there. And Clerks 1, you kind of, like, when I, as I was watching it, you kind of forget, but it's like, well, they talk in, like, a really, like, articulate dialogue in Clerks 1. Like, it literally has that feeling of, like, a kid sitting and writing a script with, like, a thesaurus sitting next to him. And it's not that it's a bad thing. That can, that can be a bad thing, but, you know, and then it's like, that feels like the thesaurus has been thrown out a long time ago. Yeah, that, I have the same vibe, too. Because there is this thing where Clerks... When you look at Clerks 1, it doesn't sound like it's the smartest movie, but at least, whether it is or isn't, it comes off very smart. <laughs> well, it still it has that, it sounds kind of weird, but Clerks 1 still even has that feeling like it's kind of like, uh, not in a bad way, but it like has like a fancy French kind of film vibe over the top of it, too. Like, and it's just very because all the chapters have like the, you know, the Latin words or whatever the heck they are in there, if I remember correctly, and, and so on like that. So it has that kind of thing in there, but it feels like, you know... And I think that almost kind of works. I don't know if that's even supposed to be more, even sometimes like a joke in itself, because, hey, we have this really rough movie, but the best way you can kind of do is, like, you make it kind of give it more of an artsy feel than, like, you push it farther in that artsy section, because the more rougher it is, if you're in the farther artsy section, it works out in its favor. 
just like a French movie? Well, even just some of the small things. Like when he does the funny walk into the store, he says, the fuck are you doing here today? And he's all like, and he's all like, so a boss called in sick. She's like, shit, if I knew you were here, I'd show up even two hours later. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, so some of the small things like that. like the, the And like, it's not like he's like presenting it as a big joke. He just says it so fucking casually mm-hmm. and it, you, you buy it. And yeah. then like, there's even the small things like, um, well, like there's another example I was going to make with clerks, with clerks one, um, just similar dialogue. Like, like even like the idea that like going off what you said, going the artsier thing, the fact that his name is Dante, like, I, the, you can't... Like Dante's Inferno. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no way Kevin Smith just said, I always like the name Dante. Like, no, no, no. He was trying to get it, make it look artsier by giving a guy named Dante Inferno. Like, this is his own private hell kind of thing. <laughs> this is the convenience store. Which, you know, but at the same time, I get that. And Clerks 1 is still one of my favorite movies. And I'm not trying... I know it's lightning in a bottle, but at the same time, I've seen movies after Clerks 1 and before this where I'm like... Like, Red State is such a, a... I like Red State so much. It's such a good movie, you yeah. know? The direction in that is really good, and just some of the small, like, nuances. Like, a lot of the small dialogue. I mean, I'm not talking about the hate speech stuff where he's going on for ten minutes saying <laughs> all this crazy hate speech stuff, but you are just riveted. Like, it, yeah, this guy's just, a fucking psycho. You know? Yeah, and just the acting so superb and all that kind of stuff there. But not. I mean, the cool thing is, is, like, I will say, like, the overall story in this one is kind of an interesting one where Randall, he has his heart attack, and that kind of makes him go like, well, shit, what have I done with my life? You know, he probably had that, like, Beavis and Butthead, like, and I like that part when, like, Beavis and Butthead do America out in the desert, and he's like, fight, fight. My, my life flashed before my eyes, and it just shows him they're literally just growing up in front of the TV. <laughs> and he just says, like, you know, to Beavis and Butthead, like, hey, life is pretty cool. <laughs> you know, like, that kind of thing. And I remember, I remember seeing that, watching that movie, I was like, holy shit, that's, like, my life. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like that, that's literally like there too. But I feel like that's sort of like what Randall had. Where he's like, shit, I just been at the convenience store, just talking movies and hanging out with my buddy and so on, like that. You know. But he's like, I don't have anything at the, at the end of the day. I don't got anything I can put on the shelf or anything like that to say I've done something. But you know, then he kind of gets into like, well, shit, I should make a movie. That's all. That's what I like. I've been I've been in a video store literally for like forty years. Something I'll say, just going back to like, I thought what was one of the best parts, like kind of leading up to that. What I did think is I was com- I was saying. This joke was kind of lame, the whole thing with Dante kind of rolling his eyes, but that leads up to one of the best jokes I found in the movie, which, where he says, like, have a small dick. Like, it's okay, I see small dicks all the time. Okay, great. Granted, I work in pediatrics, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I will say, like, that, that's what it is. I think, like, there's, there's a lot of great moments in this movie. I mean, it's easy to kind of sit here and nitpick, but there is some really good jokes. Yeah. And, it, like, I will say it is it kind of goes along. It's kind of like you're going up and down hills along the way, and it kind of, like, you'll hit these amazing jokes. There'll be these ones where it's like, eh, kind of okay, but it'll kind of come back around and so on. You know? And even I just think once they kind of get into the movie-making part, I think that's where it starts to kind of turn around. I mean... I will say, Randall starts doing some really... I mean, it kind of leads into... He's doing some, like, really dick stuff for, I feel like, for guys who've been hanging out for, like, 40 years. It's like, this seems like some really ass stuff when you're sitting there where I'm like, it's my story, it's my life, fuck you, Dante. Well, that, that's also another thing about the movie is they go out of their way for a minute and make... Because Randall was the guy who always had the best lines and everything. Mm-hmm. But then, you, you know, at some point, like, you have, like... Okay, because this is probably more Randall's story than is Dante's. Even Clerks 2 is still more Dante's story. Yeah. It's just... Don, Randall is the voice of reason in the first two movies, even though he's the guy who kind of creates a lot of the problems mm-hmm. and talks a lot of shit and has a lot of the funny jokes. He's the guy who is still at some point the voice of reason, but it's Dante's story. Yeah. This one, it's more of Randall's story, and Dante's the voice of reason. 
Mm-hmm. And but there, there's these things where I, I didn't find myself hating Randall, but at the exact same time he wasn't as likable because first off I didn't really think his dialogue was as funny as previous movies, and on top of that he was also just a lot more of a dick, like unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah. So like a level of like sometimes there's a thing like there's the dickhead character in a movie. And you like it because it's in a movie. But if you had to deal with that guy all the time in real life and that's all he ever was, yeah, be you'd be tough. like, fuck this guy after a while, you know? Exactly. Well, it's like that's that kind of thing where I feel like that kind of stuff is hilarious when it's in a movie and in real life doesn't always pan out the same way. And the thing is, though, he's doing a lot of that, like, at the worst time possible. And you kind of know, because, you know, it's revealed. I'll say they did a good job misleading you in the um, promotional material because... Um, Becky from Clerks 2, uh, Dante's wife, is dead at the beginning of this movie. And they he has these moments where he'll sit there and he'll talk to like her in his head, basically. What would she say? What would she would she, you know, mm-hmm. what would she say in this situation? And because showing a few of those shots in the trailer, I'm like, okay, cool, Rosario Dawson's back. And then you watch the movie and you realize, oh, these are just like dreams he's having or fantasies that he's having. Because when, when you're seeing the beginning and you see that he touches the register, has her picture with, like, you know, ob- obituary on it, you're like, wait, what the fuck? You well, know? Well, when I saw that, I was like, was there a fucking movie I missed? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, was there, like, Clerks 2.5? You know what I mean? Is this, like, Kingdom Hearts shit going on here? Yeah. <laughs> like, a third re-release of this game that takes place between, like, five <laughs> other games? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, one of those ones. Is this the Dream Drop Distance one? Like... <laughs> Rechained, yeah. Like cause I saw that too, and it made me feel like, like, did this happen? Like, 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 I'm pretty sure I've seen everything, but it's like, was there some like odd spinoff like series he did with this? Like, because it just feels kind of weird. It's like felt like I was missing something the whole time. Like, 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 like you, like you missed an episode or something like that. And you're like, wait a second, this. Is, I feel like I mean, I, I, I see what's happening, but like, I feel like there's still some details I've been missing here. Yeah, and it does this thing where it makes stun because you see clerks want clerks too. And, you know, I don't like Clerks 2 as much as Clerks 1, but I still really like that movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, like this movie, it's just kind of like varying degrees. I like um, the second half of Clerks 2 more than uh, the first half. And the same thing goes for this, but I like Clerks 2 more, obviously. But there is this thing where, at the end, like, it comes down to the point, like, I'm, never gonna, I'm not going to change the world, but I'm really good at this thing over here. And I'm going to keep on doing this thing over here. And I, I'm happy with my place in life, and I've found love, and that's all I really need. And then you open up on this movie. Yeah, she died three months into the marriage, you know? So <laughs> Yeah, like, but it's not like it's like a, like, like a negative one. Like, it reminds you like Transformers 3, where it just starts off like, what happened to Megan Fox? Oh, that fucking bitch is gone. Yeah. Dead. Dead to rights. <laughs> you were so in love last time we saw you. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Crock of shit it was. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> well, it, it comes back in a big way, but the, the whole thing with it is... Yeah, because Clerks, I mean, I mean, Transformers 3, it is just kind of like, yeah, fucker, whatever. It's like, you only, like, confess your love to each other for the first two movies. Fucker, she's a bitch. <laughs> yeah, just this is right off the bat. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, this one was just, I remember, I was just like, okay. But then I kind of went with it, because it, it does, because we'll say Clerks 3 is definitely, like, it's like half drama. Like, that's definitely, like, I would almost... Say so this movie almost could slightly fit more in a drama category than it does even in comedy. Comedy's almost sort of the second runner to it. Well, that's the thing about it. The comedy wasn't working that much for me majority of the time, but the drama was. The heavier scenes were. The scenes with him and Rosario Dawson. The scenes mm. where Dante and Randall have a legitimate fight. Not like Randall says something fucked up 
and Dante's like, hey, come on, man. Yeah. Like, when they when they actually have the real arguments and things actually do get angry and dramatic, it is effective. And I'm, I'm going to say even Jane, Silent Bob still have some good moments in it, too. But it's just something, like, I, I thought the whole thing at the beginning where they haven't escaped the 90s. Like, they run a dispensary, but they still got to do it, like, the shady way and, like, ha- pass it off. Like, over here, man, go over here. Pretend, like, oh, hey, what's up, man? The car drives by. Well, I, like, I like how they hang out in front of their business instead of inside it. <laughs> like, that one guy comes out, he's like, dude, there's nobody in there working. Like, what's going on? What do you want, man? Like, they're just like, okay, oh, I just want two pre-rolls. Like, you know, they're just looking around, like, acting all, like, sketch. Like, I, that was kind of funny. Like, they didn't, like, that's how we did it in the 90s, son. Like, yeah. I was chuckling at that point. Yeah, well, actually, some weird, I, I think Jay and Silent Bob were actually pretty good in this one overall. You know, I just compared it to, like, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot one where I just felt like they felt really off in that one. I said, mm-hmm. only gave it one try, but it just, you know, that thing. But uh, they was kind of good. And I like how it's just, like, yeah, it was just a dispensary, but literally it was just a video store where they just, if there was an empty spot, that's where they put the merchandise. <laughs> yeah, there's, like... Oh, you're late on your you're like they're, they're like this is, used to be a video store and they're just like covered by VHS is all around them. Like, oh right, yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so there's even some good stuff in there still. Um, like the thing that I think really works is when it get like you said when it gets dramatic, and I think the later half of the movie is more dramatic. So that's where the later half of it works for me. And uh, I guess we're going to the big twist. I know we said spoilers ahead, but really, if you don't want this thing spoiled for you, bounce out now. The thing that really caught me off guard is when they kill off Dante, which you'll watch that movie and you think about it in retrospect. Yeah, they were throwing the hints and clues out there the whole time that he was going to die, but I didn't pick up on it. And when he actually has the heart attack, I'm like, I think they might actually do it because what's the point of having them both have a heart attack and having them both go, woof, I guess I have to watch what I eat. Yeah, you know, you're not going to do it twice, you know. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's a building up to there. And that is kind of the one, it is a very, like, ballsy, but it's like, that's actually a scene put together really well, how it kind of is. And so, and there, there's a big lead up to that, you know, because almost like as they're kind of making it, you know, the movie and so on. It definitely has that thing that, I feel this is one of those movies, once again, it's, it's, it really appeals to you if you if you like Clerks and you like, especially watch, like, the snowball effect. I feel this movie's going to really come together to you. Like that, because there's a lot of just those kind of, like, as they're making the movie, it's like, Brandle starts making it, and he's literally just making Clerks 1 just right now. He's taking all the funny stories of life and putting it in there, and just kind of doing it. It's almost a midlife crisis. He has the heart attack, and this is his midlife crisis. I'm just going to make a movie about my life, just a one and done, at least I know I did it, tried it. Because almost the same way that Kevin Smith sort of felt when he made Clerks, even at a younger age. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do it, and if even if I'm in debt for you know the rest of my life, at least I could say I did it and tried it and gave it the old college try and what have you. you know. And I think that's just kind of interesting, kind of them kind of going into there. And I even like, because like, when they're doing the movie, it's like, they have, all the, they have my Pizza Boys jokes in there too. Like when everyone's like, you shooting a porno movie? Yeah. Because <laughs> that was the same way that we always, if we ever told anybody we were making a movie, that's the first thing they always ask. Oh, you're shooting a porno movie? Like, no. No, no. We're doing Why is that movie. the first thing that comes to everyone's mind? Yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. You'd be, like be like a youth pastor and they'd think the same thing. <laughs> exactly. You know, and then as they're kind of going along, they're just making the movie and so on like that. And just sort of, Randall's just sort of showing all this stuff. It's kind of that thing where like, sometimes you go like, Kind of go, man, was my life that interesting? But then if you sort of write it down and make something of it and put it together and then start kind of watching it, look and go, oh, oh, it's actually way more interesting than I really thought it was. Like when I see it kind of almost on screen, you yeah. know, and as Dante's sitting there in the hospital with that heart attack, Randall brings in the movie. He re-edits it in a way that kind of puts Dante, hey, it's the, he's the main character now. Because they were having those arguments where it's like Randall was making it out that like 
Dante was just there as like the just the the goofball character is just gonna slip on a banana and just do stupid shit and have no, none of his own redeeming moments. Yeah, and he even said something. Like, well, if you're like Luke Skywalker, why am I like at least the Han Solo or at least the Chewie? Like I view myself as both the Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. Maybe even Chewie at the same time. You can be Dak. Who the fuck's Dak again? Oh, he's the... The he's pilot the, gets stepped he, on in Hoth. Yeah, he's like the... He was Luke's, like, harpoon pilot in Hoth, the Battle of Hoth. Like, that guy dies, like, and does nothing in the movie. He was plucky as fuck, though. <laughs> that, that is true. But at the end of the movie where he says... He comes out and says, like, you're more than Dak. You're my Luke. You're my Han. You're my everything. And, yeah, when he edits the movie in such a way that makes Dante the main character. And Dante, when he's watching it, they show footage of Clerks 1. We know that's not what's really on there. Yeah. We know that's what he's seeing. He's seeing. He's seeing his own life. He's seeing it, like, I, I, the, the way I kind of look at it, he's seeing it, like, retrospectively. Like, you know, he can remember the time when they almost, like, it's real life and movie life is now transitioning into one. And when they show Dante, like, I'm pretty sure they're going to off him right here. When they show him sitting in the theater with Becky, I'm like, yeah, they're yeah. they're fucking doing this. They actually have the, I mean, you know, I know the original ending for Clerks was Dante getting shot, but they're actually going, the, he's going the full distance and he's fucking doing it. And I I think that's pretty ballsy. And I thought that was a pretty interesting. I mean, like, I, I, it's a little sad knowing that his life got kind of depressing near after Clerks 2, because Clerks 2 ends on such an upbeat note. Yeah, at this, is, at the, yeah. this is like Dante just can't win. But at the same time, it ends on like this note of where he's happy with his life right here at the end. He's happy with it all. And where he, the whole time he's talking about, my life has been shit. For a, I, would, I had my happy end. I had happy ever after for five minutes. And then love my life died along with the kid. So all I'm stuck with is this, is this, is this um, convenience store I've always hated and I can't get out of it. Yeah. So there is the sadness to it, but then and when he's watching that movie, he comes back around. He's like, you know what? It was actually it wasn't a bad life. It was actually I got to spend most of my life with my best friend, bullshitting all day. Yeah, exactly. And it even has that transition where, you know, as the, you know he says, she's like, let's get out of here. And they have that thing where they walk up and out of the movie theater, kind of like you know ascending and so on. She's like, don't don't you want to see the end? He's like, no, I trust the guy putting it together. You know, yeah. which a weird thing also I will say it also has that feeling like. It has that feeling like, would suicide be better for this character almost? Because like, that's almost how it kind of goes. Like, you know what? It's like he sees his life flash before him, but he's he actually would rather be dead than alive, almost in a sense. Just to be with Becky, and by that point, I, maybe it was, it was just also kind of like just a way to comfort it all. <laughs> but, but, it's, but like when I, yeah. the more I think about it, I'm like, man, that almost sounds like a like suicide's okay kind of like message in a sense. I mean, I know he's not committing suicide, but like this, like it's almost like you'd be better off dead than alive kind of like aspect of life because... I could see how that could be viewed as, but I think it was just more of a, I'm just going to leave in, with, I'm going to leave in grace. Just like, you know what, I'm not really, I don't mean in a religious way, but I mean, I'm going to like, it was a good run, and I'm okay with le- with leaving now, kind of thing. Which I know can be viewed as suicide, but I just view it as like, it's okay, kind of, you know what I mean? Like, kind of more it's, it's of a... It's not like the communist one where like, you're dead, go, go back to the earth. Yeah, exactly. It's more of like a, I guess, kind of a, let's be... Because Kevin Smith talked about his heart attack, and he said that, like, I guess he was trying to show the two sides. Because usually Dante is his voice, but in this movie, he made Randall his voice to a certain extent. Yeah. And um, I guess he's trying to show the two options of what could have happened. Randall being what did happen, 
and Dante being because when he was on for a minute when he had his he, he said this story multiple times when he had his heart attack he kind of was coming to terms with things like you know what I want to make this movie I want to make that movie I want to see my kid get married I want to see this but I had a good life it actually was him and because for a while Kevin Smith was somebody I mean I know he cries a lot on the podcast yeah. he smokes a lot of weed and he watches an emotional Marvel thing or DC yeah. thing you did watching Bad News Bears again or something like that yeah yeah I mean you know I'm not gonna lie I've, I've kind of got the older I get I mean I'm not I don't know I when we when Sonic Two came out, I did not I did not get emotional in the theaters. But I was rewatching Sonic Two in the part where they hold hands and wait for the foot to come down, <laughs> and Sonic stops it. I didn't cry. I'm like, fuck. It took my second or third rewatch of the movie, but I'm getting teary eyed <laughs> thinking about this part now. You know? Yeah. But um, so you know, it could happen to any of us. I'm not trying to be one of those people who just like he just fucking cries at everything. <laughs> but um, but I feel like it's meant to be just the two. The two thoughts, of the two the two things that could have happened, and the two points of views. Yeah, no, I think that's kind of it's. It's almost like you could say like a heart attack from two different people. It's kind of like two two different ways you can kind of go with it and so on like that, you know. Yeah, and I, I think that's how it's kind of written in there. As I said, it's like that heart attack midlife crisis movie, you know. And he said he also likes going and revisiting Clerks because Clerks is the thing that gave him everything. So he says. Well, what would my life be like if I never made a movie and I never got into the film industry? What would what would I still be at the convenience store? Would I be paying this off? What would, be, what would I? Well, how would I feel? What would I do? And that's one. That's another thing that kind of shows up through these characters. And mm-hmm. you know, that's just, you know because when I when I first before even seeing this movie, I, I looked at one review and that gave it like some pretty good reviews. A pretty good uh, review, and um, they said Dante had some recent tragedy in his life, and I, I immediately thought, "Oh, they're going to acknowledge that Catherine's dead." You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I saw Rosario Dawson in the trailer, so I'm going to assume Catherine's dead, and he is like the actress that played her died in real life, and he was like coming to terms with his own mortality, Randall's mortality, and thinking like, "God, a woman I once loved is dead," and there's all these things I never said to her. I know she fucked me over here and there, but. Yeah. God, life is short, you know. So I assumed it was going to be something kind of like that. Like, oh, it is so much worse. His yeah. wife is dead. Yeah, exactly. Every, everything's sort of gone there. Yeah. And so on like that. No, it definitely kind of does have those kind of extremes sort of going on. If it, and so on like that. And I think that's the thing, is like that, that all that drama stuff in there, like, really works. Because at the end of the day, like, Clerks is that one that, like, if Kevin Smith, that was the only movies he made was just entire Clerk series. I f- always feel that's the strongest characters of them all, is that, that, that Randall Dante like counterbalance, I think, is perfect. I mean, like that literally could almost you could literally do mall rats. It sounds kind of weird, but that could be almost be Randall and Dante walking through the mall. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you could carry those characters a lot farther. Like Randall Dante, Jay, and Silent Bob. Like those four right there. That l- could be like a ginormous movie series and whatever else. And those characters could carry so much stuff. You know? Well, there's also this thing about it, like, um, because since this movie ends the way it does, and it has this very poignant kind of happy ending where um i'll say the elias stuff and in blockchain like running <laughs> on the store uh, screaming on top of their heads like i get it this is now randall's life and then like dante appears next to him and he's just like oh he'll always be here with me and they pan out instead of kevin smith's mom going through all the milk it's now his daughter you know yeah well that's also but, the other cool thing is that 
there's a great crap ton of like bringing back like a lot of those old actors from like Clerks and finding places for them in this one, and even some of the characters have grown up and all sorts of stuff there. Like that's almost like the th I think that's the thing that's kind of almost more amazing for this movie is just for like the Clerks fan. There's there's a lot here for that. Like that's what makes it kind of very interesting. Like I think it's one of those movies that. You just kind of barely saw these movies, and you went and saw Clerks 3, it'd be just kind of like, eh, okay, whatever. Well, something that's actually probably really cool, I, I imagine when he made Clerks 1, all those people he brought in for bit parts that weren't like, you know, Jeff... Jeff... Yeah. Halloran, I'm forgetting the ladies' names, I feel bad. Um, but I, I imagine nearly everybody else, he, like, paid them very little to nothing... Because it was a low budget. Yeah, well, you movie. probably didn't. Back, back in those days, you could almost get away with being like, "Hey, do you mind coming to my movie for stuff?" And that'd be like, "Cool, a movie." It's yeah. not like nowadays where someone's like, "Well, fuck yourself. I'm not being in your movie." Or by now, even though I know this movie probably wasn't that expensive, <clears throat> all those people probably, more than likely, I'm assuming, got a pay cut, but got a pay got 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 a, a check cut for him. Yeah. Because you know now he has the money to do that. Well, and you kind of have to now. Yeah, you, you have can't, to. You, you, you can't when you're old, when you're already a filmmaker. You can't make in a sense independent films anymore. And he he rubs me as the kind of guy who's like, you know what, these people technically helped me get to where I am now, so let me give them a real pay a real paycheck yeah. for helping me get here to where I am. So I, if there anything, the movie exists enough for that reason, to give these people, because there's some people in there you see like, oh my god, that person's still alive? You know, yeah. <laughs> like there's all these, just people from his town that he kind of knew that showed up for auditions, that he went back to his hometown and just says like, I'm going to get all these people to have like whether even if they say nothing they're there just for a moment like yeah i thought that was really cool of him to do yeah no just to having like all those kind of like cameos in there and so on and bringing back certain characters and what have you i just thought that was that's just really cool you, you don't see really any other movie doing it so like that's almost something in itself that's pretty magical in it, just right there and i'll say that there's also things in this movie that like kind of like even though i know um I said I only kind of liked the movie, but the exact I, I didn't dislike it, but it was just kind of more okay to me. The parts that work for me really do work, and the part that I thought that really worked well, one of my favorite scenes is, it made me want to go back and watch Clerks One. It kind of reminds me how good Clerks One. Hey, well, that, that, that's the same way I felt too. Is like, God, it's been too long since I've seen Clerks One. I need to go out and pull that out now. But there's that scene where where they find where they have the ultimate like fuck you fuck you and what happens is it's during the scene where from Clerks One where you need to shit or get off the pot basically yeah and he says the moral of the movie where Don where Randall is telling Dante what how it is and what he needs to do and 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 while he's saying that I want to say occasionally I might be wrong they kind of cut back to original Clerks One footage once in a while I might be wrong I think they might do that yeah but um. During that scene, in in Dante's scene, that would be infuriating as fuck. Knowing everything he just went through over the last ten years, not being, like, he's helping finance the movie. Everything he's doing to help push this movie forward. Yeah. And the scene that, it's just a scene going down Dante's list of flaws. Whether they are flaws he had ten years ago or not. Just someone writing all this shit that's wrong with you... <laughs> and your help paying for the movie, you would be like, you know what, man? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was, like, the perfect scene for it to happen. For, like, of all the things they're going to film to make them get into a fight, that would be the one, and that makes sense. No, yeah, I think that works out real well, because the whole thing is that, like, the doctor tells Dante, she's like, well, you know, what you got to do is, like, you're the best friend, so, you know, so he doesn't, you know, have another heart attack or something like that. You got to make sure that his life's as positive as possible. You help him out on whatever dream he wants to do and keep him going and, you know, keep him on the right track. 
you know, and so on. So he literally gets that money from the movie and so on like that from um, from uh, his ex-wife. His ex-wife. With, Kevin you know, Smith's his wife. wife. You know. Uh, I always love how she always just plays the most dickest characters like in movies too. She does, but I think it's just a matter <laughs> of like... It's just kind of funny just because like one of those ones like if you just didn't know, you'd be like, who's that fucking asshole cunt you have in your movie all the time? Oh, that's my wife. <laughs> oh. She did really good. She was really good. <laughs> she was, yeah, she, well, she's good at that acting, yeah. She's, she's, she's a very believable actress. She's very yeah. believable. Yeah, if you did, I'm sure she's fantastic. If you life. didn't know, but that's, that's like all the parts she always plays. But uh, but just the fact that he does all this stuff, but Randall doesn't know any about it because he's kind of just keeping it on the down low, just you know making his like dream as possible, and there's that whole breaking point there. I did like it, even though she has like you know because in Clerks Two she was a bitch at the same time she did. She has, she's a bitch in Clerks too, but she of course has reason to be mad at Dante. Yeah. But I even like at the end where she's like, I was surprised to see you at the funeral. Despite how I feel towards him, I did almost fucking marry him. Which if I did, he'd probably still be alive. No, he probably would have killed himself a year in. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I mean. There there is a lot of good stuff in this movie, and I do think it's one of those movies that I think on a second watching, I'll kind of push some of the stuff that I thought was a little bit off kind of more to the side and just sort of remember more like the like the overall I think I think it, once again I say, I say it like the overall stuff I think is kind of good like I think the story's good I think that I think it's just it's just got a couple of these just weird moments and most of the time it, it's really that Elias. blockchain and, Elias and Elias and, and Elias is not he's got a kind of a cool dynamic which is kind of interesting where it's like he does the thing where he's like he's you know, the heavy Christian and then when you know in a sense God fails him because you know he thinks that by you know smiting Randall, that that's what gave him the heart attack, and then not trying to save him in like the hospital, that he's like he renounces Jesus and does a thing like he does like the born again Christian, but the exact opposite. Which I think that's kind of funny because we all know like when someone goes born again Christian, they literally go so far into it that it's almost ridiculous that no normal born Christian would ever even think of it like that. And I think, but said he does it with like Satanism, so he does it so ridiculous that now he almost just seems like a goof and so on. The downfall is just like he's just there. He's just there a little too much. He, he could be there like a cameo character almost and still have a couple moments, but... Yeah, like the concept... no blockchain. The concept of that, well, I'm not... And this is... I have not done any research on this. I have not looked anything up. Just seeing enough Kevin Smith movies and also listening to his podcast enough, I feel like... Because it just sounds like something he would do or mention. I feel like blockchain... I could be totally wrong here, but I feel like blockchain is probably the uh, boyfriend or whatever to um, his daughter. Because at the funeral, she winks at him. And he's yeah. like, oh, you know. It's like, like, let me give your boyfriend a shot in my movie, you know. That, that's got to be what it is, you know what I mean. And it's, I'm going to say, it's not that necessarily blockchain is just, he's just unnecessary. He's just that's the thing. It's, it's just, it's, it's almost a character that's kind of in the way of everything else. And it just, I don't, it's one of those weird ones because they, they just, they're, it's like his silent Bob, but it almost just seems like his like gay lover he keeps down in the basement too. Like it's a really bizarre <laughs> like way that they're like together. Well, I guess it's also something, we don't know who blockchain is. So this weird guy who's silent could also be really good at computers because we already know Elias. Elias doesn't seem like someone who would have the smarts to pull off a crypto yeah. scheme. Or I, I guess what it is is it's one of those ones where it's like a, a blockchain's like the Steve Wozniak and Elias yeah. is like the Steve Jobs here yeah. just using him. Well, I, I do like the idea that like I, I figured something like that would happen because you saw Elias in the trailer as you expect him and then at some point you see him all gothed up. So I'm like, oh, I bet he has like a thing where he's questioning Jesus or comes to terms with his you know struggles with his faith which i think that that is a funny concept but just the whole part where he's like 
Satan, I will be your concubine. He's taking off his pants in the middle of, like, you know, the waiting room. Like, there's ways I think that could have been funnier and better. But that that was, like, some of the stuff where I was just kind of like, hmm, that, that was a little rough. But, well, you yeah. know what it is? It's the weird thing, because Clerks is a very grounded comedy. Yeah. So if you do anything that's kind of, like, over-the-top, kind of slapsticky, it, it, it sort of takes you out of the Clerks, like, zone. Yeah. And... Don't like. Don't me wrong. I, I know. I feel like I'm really beating down. I'm being because every so often, you would see people like, you know, I I saw Clerks one and I was so excited to be into Kevin Smith, but then he just let me down, movie after movie, and he could have been so much more than the nerdy Star Wars fan who tells dick jokes. I'm like, I mean, I I feel like it gets annoying when people put their own preference and expectations on one person mm-hmm. as opposed to what they can do. I know, I guess some expe- some exception, I guess I'm not trying to do that, but I guess I've seen other movies he's made, so I feel like it could be further along than what it is. And in all honesty, like we do in a podcast, the more I talk about it, the more I like it. But yeah. maybe another watch I'll feel a little different. Because um, I, I really did just want to love this movie. Because I, I remember closing, like I said, closing a restaurant by myself to one or two o'clock in the morning, like weekly, and like you know a couple days a week, and just listening to his podcast, letting that get through it, his inspirational like speeches he gives, all this, and then putting on like the snowball effect for like creative fuel and mm-hmm. all that for inspiration. That's all still there, and I still love that stuff for it. So I want to love this movie as much as Clerks One, but I just I just didn't. But there are things to still love in the movie. Yeah. As I said, like, I feel because it's one of those movies that when it comes out on Blu-ray, I definitely want to pick it up, you know, just to kind of have it. But I feel like it might have some cool special features to kind of go along with it. I know at the, the Fathom Advance thing that we saw at the theaters, it had like a like a 10-minute kind of little documentary afterwards, which was pretty neat. A little, mm-hmm. little behind the scenes and so on like that. Nothing too, like, in-depth like a snowball effect, but still kind of cool in itself, which made for the inflated price tag on the movie. Yeah. But, um, but you know, it's like one of those ones, like, I do think it will kind of, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to capture that magic of Clerks 1, you know, or that just, I'll even say that, that initial Kevin Smith era, like the, you know, Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, like that that kind of era right there, and I think that's the thing, is those are kind of like his Golden Gem movies for like the fans, and then people kind of feel like it sort of wavers from that, you know, because there's almost like three eras nowadays, I feel like Kevin Smith's been around for so long. That, you know, you have the original era, then you sort of have, like, the, kind of, like, that, the middle era, which is, you know, comes into, like, almost, you could say it maybe even starts with a Jersey Girl, mm-hmm. where it kind of goes there, Zack and Mary, Clerks 2, you know, and then maybe Red State kind of is the beginning of that third era. And I think Red State is probably his strongest movie in that third era. Yeah. Um, so, I, and I guess that's the thing, when he's like, this is radically different. Like, I mean, if you tell me it's Kevin Smith, maybe you look at some of the dialogue, now I can kind of see it, but it's not the first thing that comes to Yeah, if to you mind. blindly put that movie on, you wouldn't notice. And that movie, it's like everyone's... And he said, like, I barely did any direction in that movie. I just said, go in with what you want. And I feel if we're too, if we're too far apart, I'll let you know and try to meet you in the middle. But I'm going to let you guys do what you want, and we're going to go from there. And maybe because Clerks... Maybe because, like, Red State, he is dealing with more. I'm not saying this to be a dick to the main cast of um, Clerks 3... But when you think about Clerks 3, because I don't think Elias has been... Like, Brian O'Halloran, 
Jeff Anderson and the guy who plays Elias, they haven't. They're not in a bunch of movies. Well, and, and, and realistically, at the end of the day, they're not. I mean, Brian O'Halloran's the most of an actor, but it's like that's not really even still his thing either. You know what I mean? Like those guys are kind of like, oh yeah, well we we did Clerks, and that's sort of like sort of what got us stuff. You mm-hmm. know? So I think that's kind of the thing that makes them like. It's almost like if they were in like every Kevin Smith movie, I think they would they would have probably improved more and more and more and more and more. But since they come almost sparingly. Mm-hmm. Like they you were know. like in every movie for like the first wave, and then second, yeah. and as it went on, kind of sparingly here and there. But I mean, almost like more like main characters. Yeah, and there's also that thing when you go see like uh, you have that actor like this actor likes to work with this director a lot, and you get those ones like well, th- when seeing a Kevin Smith movie, that's usually the only place you would see Jeff Anderson. So you're watching like you know Zach and Mary make a porno, like he's just playing Randall. But that's fine. That's all I really want him to do is yeah. just play Randall because well, that's know? what he, that, he he's that character is already just pure amazing. Yeah, that's the thing. That Randall character, I think, is almost one of the best written characters, almost of all time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just that guy, his personality, his attitude, his accent, like everything about him is so dialed in for that. That's why I always kind of wished he was just in more stuff because Jeff Anderson's so good. Well, for like, I'm gonna say this. I think that a lot of, I mean, he wasn't the one to create it, but there's the the funny shit talking best friend who's really a questionable friend at the end of the day. I think that Rand, I think Jeff Anderson and Randall, I think that's the best version of that kind of character. Because a lot of times you'll watch movies where, um, like, I feel like more of them are usually straight to Netflix or straight to streaming, but you're like even that early period of straight to DVD stuff where. They're trying to, you can see it was a, kind of a smaller budget, maybe they have a couple of big people in the movie, and you see they're trying to have that funny character, that Randall-esque character, and all that character does is hold the movie down and be annoying, but it's like, well, Jeff Anderson as Randall did it right. This yeah. character is a really hard balancing act, and I think that character is better in Clerks 1 and 2, but he's still good for the most part in Clerks 3. They're just parts where he's understandably more of an asshole in this. Yeah, well, it's just one of those, I think that kind of character still is always a tough one to pull off, because... If, if 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 it doesn't click right, that character goes from being funny to being really annoying. That, yeah. That's the thing about it. So you got to have the right one. It's kind of like another movie. There's that Dane Cook movie where he's like just the total dick to everybody. Friends, girl. Yes, I think that's the one. That that one's one of those movies where it's either you're gonna think it's the funniest movie in the world, or you're gonna find it the most offensive movie you've ever seen. Well, like I, I only saw the movie once. I remember, like it was like ten over ten years ago. But there's a part where he's, he sees like some. He sees, like, some, like, pale white redhead, and he says, like, look at you, all pale and thin. But if you laid on this table, she could snort you. And then it's just like, I just had a baby. And I, and I, and it shows. I hope it was delicious. You know, just something kind of like. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that movie was just filled with those kind of lines. Because that's what, I felt like Dane Cook played a good, I guess you would say, Randall, in a sense. Well, he also just went above and beyond just being the asshole. Like, when he goes to the urinal, like, what you got packing over here? Oh, I want that in my mouth. Like, like it's one of those things, like, it's like, I haven't seen that movie in years. I, I only saw it I, I think once. I only saw it once, too, and I own it. But, like, but I, I remember those lines. <laughs> but it was like, I just remember that movie just being hilarious. You know, I mean, it just like, it was the perfect example of, like, a good dick character. Like, I almost, like, could use that movie as, like, even though I haven't once only seen it once, it's like a good reference of, like, you need a reference for a dick character? Here you go. And I think that there are those things, like, um, that's a hard character to balance. The funny asshole, it's still somehow likable. Yeah. I, I think that... It's easier to do if you're dealing with people like because the thing about a character like Randall, he's an everyday guy. So, an everyday guy can go from being kind of like fuck this guy, he's a prick, a lot easier than say like you know I think someone who does it really good is Martin McDonough. I think he does it really good at writing dick yes. dickhead characters. But since it's a world of like people and crime and all that, it's easier to like 
well, we're not already supposed to like him. He's he's a gangster or he's a crime lord or something. But you know, like you're an inanimate fucking object <laughs> is still one of like the funniest yeah. lines to me. So. I'm sorry, I said that. You know, so I call you an inanimate fucking object. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, cause, and then there's some. Like, there's a movie I'm trying to think of right now. I think it's a movie, but like there's one of those ones where like I almost want to say it's one of the sequels where like the like the Dick character goes so far to like. It's almost it has like the dynamic of clerks where there's like literally the, the Dante Randall, but like almost like too much of a dick. Where it's like there's there's that limit where you're like okay now it's not fun. It's past the point of funny now to like where it's like now it's just literally like one guy literally beating up another guy in a sense like verbally. Well, it'd be that point where somebody <laughs> it's just what the hell that movie was. I, I I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I know those kind of movies where they watched a lot of Kevin Smith and they watched a lot of Judd Apatow, and someone goes and says, "Wow, you know what? I think I figured it out. I think what we have to do." is have one guy, who's, the, who's usually the main character, take all this verbal abuse and have no real ear, no real redeemable quality about him. Other than, oh, I'm just trying to do the right thing. And you have one guy who, unchallenged, just always is berating him and talking shit, and somehow that guy's going to be more likable. Yeah. Like, like, like we've said a bunch of times by now, Clerks finds that balance majority of the time, mm-hmm. but there's so many things... That usually didn't go to theaters. That kind of tried to do that. I remember I was watching. I forget what it was called. I think it's just the name of like, like a, a highway or a, a route or something. But there was some movie where I was like trying to do that dark crime, dark crime comedy, but also trying to be kind of like a Kevin Smith movie. Mm-hmm. And the guy who was basically trying to be like a Randall character who created more problems for for everything in the movie. It's like, why the fuck are you hanging out with this guy? Yeah, he he had like a three funny lines at the beginning of the movie, which I was like, okay, let's see who this guy goes. Oh, he's fucking annoying, and he has no irredeemable qualities, and or no redeemable qualities. Why the fuck are we hanging around this guy? And why is this guy along for the ride? You know? Yeah. Well, it gets that point. Like, if that character goes to the point of making the other guy cry, then it's like, okay, you went too far on that character. Like, cause now that character is almost like a villain, not anymore like his funny dick best friend. Well, it's also. I mean, I know we're we're talking like let's let's. People shit on Kevin Smith enough. Let's shit on people on other people who don't even know about. You know, yeah. like there's that. I remember there is that. Um, there is that Randall game, and it wasn't even. It was like basically it was literally called Randall. It was like that guy was almost. I'm surprised. Like anybody else probably would have sued this guy for making this game that was literally just ripping off his character. It's like it's not Randall Graves, another Randall, but we got Jeff Anderson. It's like Randall's Day Off or something like that. It was. And it was I remember buying it because I just saw Jeff Anderson. I'm like fuck, Jeff Anderson has a game. I'll support him for that. And, you know, I remember watching you play a couple parts of the game. It was like a point-and-click thing, but it was also one of those things where you can tell it was like these dialogue would go on forever. And I know we were guilty of it ourselves yeah. back when we first started making movies. Like, well, Tarantino and, like, Kevin Smith, like, have, like, movies where it's just talking, like... But that's them though. They're good at it. So we should we got we got to cut this yeah. back. Yeah, know? and it's many things there's a time and a place and that that game was a perfect example where you see that person who likes clerks a little too much just like any of us do, but like doesn't hasn't realized that uh they don't need to write things for paragraphs upon paragraphs, especially if it's a video game. Mm-hmm. Like it just it had that they had that one where just the dialogue went forever where the guy's just like so in love with his own writing that's just like whoa whoa whoa. I remember Pump feeling the that, yeah. breaks on this. I'm playing a video game here. Like, in every object you would talk to would be, like, four paragraphs of dialogue. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I remember, I remember seeing that. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, when we first, like... Because we saw the thing for the game, and then you got it cheap. Like, all right, cool. And you showed me a minute of it. I'm like, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know if I could get through this. Yeah, it's just, it's just a bummer because it's just like the the idea. You know, it's one of those ones I'll say is if Kevin Smith wrote like a script and it was just Randall's day off and it was just a spinoff Clerks like video game, you know, that would be kind of fun. If like, it, yeah, because if it had the right writing, I think it would be kind of neat. I mean, I think that I mean it'd be. I think a Kevin Smith point and click adventure game. You're just in the world of you askew and you interact with different people. That could that in itself could be a fun game, you know? Yeah. What the hell ever happened to that that second James Silent Bob uh, beat 'em up game that was supposed to come out? Oh, like, I have no idea. I um, felt like I put money down on one of those ones like seemed like years ago, and then like it, I, I know that like the the Double Dragon like Nintendo one came out that's hard as fuck. You know, but um, I never got past, like, the fourth level, I think, on it or something like that. Well, I just saw, not to be a dick, but I'm like, you know what? River, River City Girls is cheaper than this, and it looks like a better game. <laughs> you know, so, like, it looks better. So it's, I, it's not, well, I mean... It wasn't bad, I'm No, sure. the James and one's not bad. It's just, they go, whoever put it together went hardcore, like, NES. Like, sometimes there's some people that, like, like they, they take those that older style of game, but they make it, like, they, go, they almost push it farther. It's like farther like, I don't make it even harder than like the old the old ones were and so on like that and have you know but the old ones had codes and th- you know there's there was always something that kind of you could kind of like almost loop around to it where it's just I remember that one was just like oh I put some time into that game I think me and buddy played a bunch of it but it was just like it was so tough well it's like I I can get and we'll get back to like movies and Kevin Smith in a second but it's also I mean, like that, Kevin Smith, I guess but. It, I guess it still is but I mean, just speaking on video games in general, though, like on indie games, I'm not like, I can get behind a retro looking game, but you got to do better for me. If I'm going to pay like 20 bucks or 14 bucks, whatever it was. Yeah, I think it was only like 15. It wasn't like an outrageous price like some games are. But a lot of the times I'm like, I don't want, I know 15 is not really a lot in the grand scheme of things, but at the same time, it's also kind of like, it, I, I need something better looking than 8-Bit. We took 8-Bit at the time yeah. just because it was like what we had. At least go Super Nintendo. At least go as far as that, you yeah. know? Well, I mean, for Kevin Smith, I kind of get it because that would probably be more like the games he would think more of is like that yeah. Double Dragon. Like, cause it's totally going for the Double Dragon. Thing, so I, I get what it's doing. I will still say 15. It's kind of funny, because I remember, like, in the 360 era, if I saw a digital download game that was $15, I'd be like, whoa, 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 you're asking a lot there for 15 bucks. Like, it better be, like, really good. And now 15 bucks is like, you'd be grateful if the game's fucking $15 when it comes out. You're like, you know what I mean? Because nowadays, it's like, dude, it's getting to the point where it's like, dude, some of those games are like 40 bucks. Yeah. You're like, I, I hate to say it, I'm like, it might be a better game than technically, like, you know, a big open-world 3D type thing, but still... You were like $10 away from that giant open world game. You know, you're trying to tell me that your side scroller platform game is going to be $10, you know, uh, less than like Red Dead Redemption 2. You know what I mean? Like, let's be honest. Well, it's also like River City. Like, I remember playing like River well, that City. Game, that game, if, if that wasn't way forward, and it's like one of those ones, it's like 30 bucks for when that game came out, and I paid it because I liked them enough. But Oh, I guess, well, I guess I got it when it was on sale for like 14 bucks. So I guess that's that. Yeah, because yeah. that game was 30 bucks, and it's like, because the Shantae games, they kind of do, they're like, you know what you're going to, fucking nerds will pay anything for this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they, they got to that point. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things where, yeah, I guess I got that game, and it was like cheaper, so, but I was like, I don't know. Yeah, you get the point. I just think if you're going to charge like at least 14 bucks for a game, like, it's got to be a really good game if it's going to be, like, 8-bit. But regardless, um, there is that point, though, where everyone was trying to be, like, a Kevin Smith or Judd Apatow, and 
not really nailing that formula just right. And a lot of it really is like the writing and the actors, what kind of makes it. That formula is a really hard... They, they kind of showed it was a hard formula to kind of really get down, you know? Yeah, and I think that kind of goes with so many things, too. I mean, it's the same thing as the Quentin Tarantino knockoff movies. Yeah. Some are great, some just feel like they're trying too hard, mm-hmm. and so on, you know? And uh, that's even the same thing with the kind of the, that Kevin Smith stuff. Because really, at the end of the day, Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino are so similar. I know so, there's some people out there who never want to hear those two names like in the same sentence, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... They both have the long dialogues about kind of pop culture and things like that, you know, and just kind of can weave that together kind of well and so on and keep I, that going. I feel like to some extent, well, um, not to bring down Kevin Smith to raise up Quentin Tarantino, but I do feel like Quentin Tarantino finds a way to make it more organic because he hasn't really done that a whole lot in his more recent movies. Last movie he did it in was like... Um, um, out on the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but it makes more sense that he would do it for that because that's a movie about people working in the film industry. So they're going to yeah. be talking about people they work with and all oh, that guy's a fucking asshole or whatever. Yeah. But um, where Kevin Smith is kind of like, well, let's see. People liked the um, Star Wars talk in um, the first one. When you think about the first the first Clark's movie, there's only one or two like real dialogue, like pop culture dialogue scenes in yeah. that. And then that became a big staple of his. And then sometimes, you know, and there's even, you know, the kryptonite condom conversation from, like, mole rats. Mole rats. But then, like, I guess there's that point where it felt like he was just trying to, like, well, what would they talk about today? I guess they talk about the Mandalorian, you know? Yeah, well, I, th- I think sometimes that's kind of it is, like, when you start doing the thing where you're like, hey, what would they, what, what they talk about today? And so on, like that. You know, and it, I mean, it's, it's not that it, like, it doesn't work. I don't know why. It's like, it's weird how slamming, like, certain things that, like, that won't pull you out as much, but then pop culture references and other things can pull you out real quick. Or not really pull you out, because I'm not going to say those references really do. It's just like, oh, I guess it makes sense. That's, like, how I went with it. I'm like, I guess Randall would really like The Mandalorian. Yeah, well, I, I, I thought it was also kind of funny that the, um, the doctor, and I forget the actress's name, but she's in, she voiced, um, Princess Caroline and uh, Bojack Horseman, but she was also in Mandalorian and Boba Fett. And he's all as he's all talking about those scenes. She's like, "Sorry, I wasn't. I don't. I don't pay attention to that shit." And like <laughs> that actress is in both those shows. Yeah, so. yeah. No, as I said, that's the thing. This movie has a lot of cool stuff kind of going on in it, and you know, I think it's one of those ones. It's definitely if you're in that kind of Kevin Smith fan thing, it's definitely worth watching, especially if you really like Clark's. There's no way you should pass anything up like that. I think that if you like Kevin Smith, you should definitely see the movie just because, just to know where things go, because there is things that take away. If you were never a Kevin Smith fan, I don't think this is going to change your mind. Oh, but yeah, it's definitely. That said, though, um, you know, there, there are some, like, online critics that I sometimes follow, and they were more, like, they were speaking better of this movie than I was. So it, there could still be some, you know, some, like, surprises there for you, you know. I, I want to watch the movie again down the line. Chances are, I wonder if, if he does like a... Because I, I have all the other movies on DVD. If he does like a um, Blu-ray box set of all the Clerks movies, I'll definitely get it. Yeah. You know? Well, because I kind of thought about them. Because, like, you know, it's always like, oh, you know, one of the best DVDs that like, any like filmmaker should always have is that Clerk X, like the Clerk Clerks X. X, which means it's the Clerks 10th anniversary one, which I'm like, they're like, oh, shit, it's like literally... It's 20 years old now. No, it's 30 years old by now. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Is well, like, I meant that edition, that DVD edition. Oh, well, yeah, that DVD edition's 20 years old, but you know, that means that they need a Clerks XXX. 
Yeah, no, if they... If that would they, be actually kind of a cool set. Clerks XXX, and it comes with all three of them. Comes with all three and all the previous all, all, special, all special features. All special features and maybe some new ones, too, that top it off. I would I would definitely get that, and I would, I would just for my collection, I'd like which, to which have... Which that probably would you like Walmart, be like, no, we're not selling Clerks XXX. They have to change the name. You sold Triple X. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Triple X, State of the Union. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I wouldn't mind getting that down the line. But like I would, I mean, I wouldn't mind getting Clerks three down the line. But if they have like some kind of like trilogy thing and a Blu-ray, I would definitely get that. Yeah, so. I need the 4K scan of the 16 millimeter footage of Clerks one. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I yeah. take that. But um, but yeah, this definitely is one of those movies that like when you watch this though, it does make you like, man, I gotta watch some Clerks one. Mm-hmm. Like that was definitely how I felt. Like you know. Yeah. I, th- I think there's just a certain generation this movie will hit a lot harder than other ones because this movie also even has that wrap up feel of like. In a sense, I guess you would say Gen X, if you just kind of like that kind of section of time. But it kind of just, like, if you're any form of a 90s kid, teenager, adult, like, it does have a very, like, oh, shit, like, this this is kind of like the, that time's definitely coming to an end. Yeah, it is kind of about, it is it is another coming-of-age story about being, in, like, near your 50s. Yeah. Coming-of-age story, close to your 50s, and realizing a passion late in life. Yeah, that's sort of, like, kind of how it goes, and I think that kind of is one of those interesting things about it is it. It does have that end of an era kind of thing. And I guess just for myself, I've always definitely had that nostalgia feel where I feel actually way older than, like, technically, like, age-wise is. Mm-hmm. And I think it just comes from just watching so much older stuff, along with music and all that kind of stuff, too. So, like... Well, if one of your favorite books is the Errol Flynn autobiography. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So it makes me feel actually way older, because, you know, you could, you, I could do the thing where I can reference things that, like, most people are like... You weren't even alive then, yeah, 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 but I watched a lot of it still, you know what I mean? And, you know, I probably watched more than you did, ironically. <laughs> but, like, it is that kind of thing that when I see this, because I was always, so when, when I was a kid, because you'd see so much Generation X stuff, I'm like, that must be who we are. Yeah. Generation X, 90s, right? And then you kind of realize later on, it's like, oh, no, you had to be born before, like, or, like, 81 and back. I think it's, like, 66. It's like, they, they're, like, normal fucking, like, it's like, you can just line up by, like, the start of a fucking decade, but whatever. Yeah. The, the numbers on those are kind of weird, but it's like, so you're like, oh, no, so, you know, that, that 81, but I always felt like that's the generation, because I feel like we're in that, like, I call us all, like, we're almost like the new lost generation, because we don't fit into the stereotype of, like, the millennial, because we're still a little bit too early for that one. I mean, we are, but, like, you know, it doesn't fit into that, like, the same way. I feel like we're that in-between generation, like, the, same, the, the equivalent of the generation that's in between uh, uh, World War II and the hippie generation. I always feel like... They're they're still technically baby boomers. There, there's I think the word for that is um, I think um, they call them like the sleeper, sleeper generation. But it's like it's they're, they're, I always feel there's always an in between because the the generation like you know like it's like twenty years is always the thing. Well, obviously not everyone's gonna fit the same way into that. So I always feel like there's sort of a pre and a post, and the post one's most of the one that people focus hard on. Mm-hmm. But I feel the pre one's always kind of the lost one because the pre one I think you feel like you're more related to the previous one. And the post section is almost a little bit more like out of your league by this point. And that's why I always feel like when I see stuff like Clerks, you know, though granted, you know, I'm all of six years old, seven years old when that comes out, that still feels like that is my generation there, even though it's oddly different. But that's also probably comes from the retroness of. Well, it also probably there is that thing like I didn't listen to Pearl Jam and watch Clerks when I was like six or seven. But then there's that thing where you suddenly get like. 14 and you know 90s doesn't seem like it was that long ago and you no. start looking at stuff so that like music from like 10 years ago or whatever you start what you is what you listen to and then you know there comes this thing of like feeling like you were there watching this or listening to this band even though 
you may have heard it on the radio, but it wasn't something you actively kept. I didn't really get into music till middle school, and it wasn't probably till like high school, like late high school. So I think my taste in music got good. So yeah, well, it's yeah. like myself. Like I was like even in like elementary school, I was still like retro retroactively. It was like so my music was like '60s music. You know, so, like, that kind of, like, it's, like, I didn't listen to the stuff of the time. I actually listened. I, w- I was always, like, 20 years behind, almost, in a weird way, which makes you feel, then you kind of go, like, that's it's all, like, the details of, like, a hipster. Well, it's also, uh, and it's going to sound like for some, for some people. <laughs> you're, you're 20 years behind, but you're also way ahead of the curb, and Your you're, doing thing, you're doing things all, like, yourself, and you don't have a style that's anything like anyone else, you're like, shit, I'm checking all these boxes. Fuck, I don't like this. Your your, uh, your favorite bands are, like, The Beatles and The Doors, <laughs> and then you're also, like, watching Errol Flynn movies and Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> yeah, so. and you got the Dick Van Dyke fucking box set sitting up on your mantle. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's also one of those things where, um, to go off that, what was the example I was gonna make? Um, like, my, my, my intro back into it was, like, to Older music was not what I say older, but I guess like getting into '90s music was like, well, I really like Audio Slave, and I know that's the guy from Soundgarden. The other guys are Rage Against the Machine, so let me go back '90s, and that's kind of what led me into more Pearl Jam and all and like other stuff. Yeah, which also I guess is Clerks Three has amazing soundtrack. It does actually. have a good soundtrack. It has a lot of good tunes in there. That's like one of those ones. If it was back in the day, you'd be like, oh, I'd, I'd buy this CD. Yeah, definitely. you know what I mean. Like that one felt there. You know, I do. Th- I did like the use because the, they they play um, as Dante is passing on. They play uh, Gerard. I can't find the song anywhere, but uh, Gerard Way's. Go by the soundtrack. I don't even know if it's on the soundtrack. Maybe it is. I don't know. It's not on Spotify. At least I couldn't find it. Um, it's the song that they play at the end of Tusk. Like apparently, it's an old sailor shanty, but Gerard mm-hmm. Way is singing it. It's like a love song. You know. Yeah, so, no, that that's a cool song there. Mm-hmm. I said that one, yeah, that one, they, they might do it. Because that's the only thing about movie soundtracks. There was that thing where they like something walk certain way. You gotta literally buy it. That's like the only way you can still get those songs. And a lot of them are lost to records, so you don't even see them pop them on Spotify or anything. Oh, yeah, that's how, Spotify's not buying it, though. That's what I mean. It's like mm-hmm. literally buying it. Yeah. You know, um, there's that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, no, this, this is that nostalgic trip. Takes you back to like almost like the days of like discovering Kevin Smith. God, that's even what I think about now because it's like, it was when Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back came out, that's what kind of did it. It was like, yeah. I saw that movie and then it was just like, I met a guy and then all of a sudden he's like, dude, you like fucking Kevin Smith stuff? Well, you haven't seen fucking Clerks or, you know, Mallrats or any of this stuff yet. I think I might saw Clerks. I think I caught that on like Turner Classic Movies or some, one of those odd channels. Well, I, Maybe IFC before it had all the commercials and shit. Well, I remember seeing a bunch of ads for like, um, when Jane Silent Back came out and I was like, well, it says Strike Back, so I'm assuming this is a sequel. And I went to a friend's house, and his parents are relatively young, mm-hmm. and they had like a DVD of Mallrats, and they showed Jay and Silent Bob on there. I'm like, okay, I guess there are these guys that pop up in other movies here and there. Yeah. And then he's the one that showed me Clerks, and I wasn't, I was didn't really appreciate Clerks at the time. I'm like, oh, that's all right, you know. But as I got older, I liked it a lot more. Like, oh, this is the first of the Jay and Silent Bob things. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was like this guy. This guy showed me. Well, Mallrats was the one he brought on over, and it was just like that was the one where it's like, here, man, this is the one you got to see now, you know. And then chasing Amy and so on. It's just it's funny. I like it almost like like brought you together real quick. Like you meet somebody like especially at that time period that was like into these kind of movies because they still were sort of like you know a side kind of road movie that you had to go out and see. It wasn't a mainstream thing necessarily, and just the leading of all these things and so on like that. What? Well, yeah, I mean, it is also that. Thing. Shit, I remember this guy. I remember because. Um, this guy's name was Carl or whatever, and he, he was only at school for, like, a year or something like that, but just this, like, love of Jay and Silent Bob and stuff. I remember we literally went to, like, a Who concert together. We found a quick stop. We're like, 
Like, Mom, you gotta pull over. We gotta take a picture out in front of this thing. <laughs> it's just I was like, like, I don't get it, but all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, that was one. No, no, nobody really gets it, but it's like, we gotta go Jay and Silent Bob this place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like well, I... Once again, doing the most old person thing ever, a bunch of kids going to see a fucking Who concert in 2002, <laughs> or one. <laughs> well, it's also, like... Well, even, like, that, for instance, like, Clerks... I, I, the, this movie... I'm not sure if it's going to change anybody's mind on Kevin Smith, but I think that some people, like, people I wouldn't expect liked it more than they would have otherwise. So, you know, I I think if you're a Kevin Smith fan, you should see the movie just to see it and see where these characters end up, because there is stuff to be taken away from it. And I want to watch it again, and maybe with other viewings I'll come to like it more. Not that thing, I'm going to watch it until I like it, but like... Just fucking clockwork orange it, and just yeah. sit there, strap yourself in, but there's put it on loop. There's definitely things to be liked in the movie, and I think those things alone are worth seeing, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think, yeah, the overall package is good, but beyond all that fun stuff, you can always go to oldmanorange.com where you find more podcasts, comic books like Pizza Boys, old animation from I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Rain Dunnigan. And I'll see you some other time. Later, folks.